Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Sincerely Kile. Um, today's episode is very near and dear to my heart. Um, it's actually me taking you guys behind the scenes of not only my life, but um, my mom's life. Um, it's a part of my journey that I've never really shared with anyone. Um, I share with you guys, I've, you know, not having those friends that you can be able to be truly transparent with or not feeling like you could be truly transparent with them through your deep, deepest, darkest times of your life. Um, so today I have my mom with me and I'm super uh, grateful and honored to have her here with me today to share her story. Um, as I share with you guys um, the Sarah Jakes Roberts sermon when she shared about being in the tunnel and why does God put you through these dark tunnels? Why does he make you go through so, so much hurt and pain? Why does he make you go through all of these bad times and rough times and trials and tribulations. We know that trials and tribulations will come, but we just always wonder why. Why does this happen to me? Why does this happen to my family? Um, and I, she said that God puts you in these tunnels because he wants you to be the light. He wants you to see the breakthrough. He wants you to um, be the light for someone else that's going through that same dark tunnel. And I always say that our story isn't only our story. I believe that each one of our stories are connected to someone else's destiny. I believe that each one of our stories plays a part in someone else's journey and their experience and, and how they will come through that dark tunnel behind you. Um, you never know who your story may touch. Um, so sharing your testimony is always important. Um, so that's why this new journey of transparency is so important to me. Um, and I always share to you, share with you guys that I started Momish Podcast because initially, you know, I just wanted a place to vent and to be myself and talk about my mom journey. Um, but um, as I deepened, God spoke to me and said, you know, the pain and trauma that my family has gone through is something that He wants to use for purpose. And I believe that um, Momish Podcast was a a bigger purpose than what I thought it was going to be. Um, I believe that God wanted me to reach so many moms, but not only me, the people who are connected to me as, as my mom, my sister, um, their journeys of all the things that they have battled in their lives are truly, truly, truly testimony. So um, my mom is here today to share her story. And um, I am, I'm, it's going to be an emotional episode. So, you know, y'all just bear with us because we friends, we friends, we're family um, and we're allowing ourselves to open up and be transparent and, and bless somebody in the process. So my mom is here today. We're going to jump into the episode. We're going to start off just talking about her journey. This is going to be a two part um, episode. Um, so uh, Ma, welcome to Sincerely Kile Podcast. Hello. <laughs> Um, so, um, uh, we're going to get into this story. My mom and my dad, um, I always, I've already shared the story. Well, part of the story about my dad, but a lot of people didn't know that my mom also struggled with, uh, drug addiction. Um, and I am truly honored to have her here today because she's going to tell her story, but not only is she telling her story, she's actually able here, able to be here to tell her her story with us. Um, we hear so many horror stories and, and scary stories. And um, I'm just glad that our story is a change for the better. Um, this is a story of her overcoming obstacles and overcoming those trials and tribulations, overcoming that addiction and being a mom to be strong enough and fight for her children, not only her own life, but her children's lives. So I really just want to start off, Mom, by asking you, you know, how did you feel becoming a teen mom? It was a shock, first <laughs> of all. <laughs> but it was hard. It was hard because I was sneaking around. My dad was very strict and he was very, um, he he ran, he ran a very strict household. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even that they even knew I had a boyfriend. Oh, like us. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even know I had a boyfriend. So it was just 
I was sneaking around and doing that sneaking around, I got caught and got pregnant with my oldest daughter, Nikita. Mm-hmm. And I was 17 years old when I gave birth to Nikita, going on 18. Mm-hmm. And um, the only thing was a lot of things I regret because I don't blame my parents, but I was already like skipping school mm-hmm. to hang out with y'all dad and everything and cutting school and everything. But I didn't know the importance of finishing school. Right. So because of those choices I made when I did get pregnant, your my dad was like, it's no sense of you going back to school. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have an option to say, grad, I mean, have the baby and then go back to school and get your diploma. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, since you wasn't doing it in the beginning, now you just stay home and raise the baby. Right. So, you know, it was kind of rough, but it didn't teach me no responsibility. Mm-hmm. It was like just teaching me just to be the same person I was. I just had a baby and my parents was very supportive. So they helped, took care of Nikita and everything. And, you know, it was just life as a teenager with a mom, you know, with a a daughter. Right. And, you know, I had the only good thing about I had great support as far as your dad's side of the family, Mm -hmm. your grandmother and your Aunt Dale, and then my parents. And then just, you know, um, relatives. Yeah. Everyone was very supportive. They really did support me with taking care of my first child. So I think that's great to have, like, that support system because I feel like everybody doesn't have that strong support system. Right. So I think that's great. And also, um, it just kind of touches on how parents, how we mimic what our, how our, how we were raised. Right. So, like, my mom was raised very in a very strict household, and, you know, she made her mistakes. And now uh, we talk about that being grown, how, how strict my mom was or how strict our household was. And it just you kind of resonated with with it better as me being a mom today, because it's like, she didn't want us to make the same mistakes she made. She didn't want us to go down that same path. Um, So it's a different perspective than being like a child or a teen and be like, I can't never do nothing. You know? So um, that's great. Um, uh, We know that your journey and your battle is a tough one um, that a lot of people can relate to in the form of addiction. Um, it's an emotional conversation to have. And I think, especially with us being mom and daughter, having this conversation, I think, you know, it's emotional, it's tough. Um, but I'm thankful that we're able to have this conversation openly and honestly, um, because a lot of parents try to hide that part of their life or, right. or that past of their life and thinking that it's best that your children don't know that story. Um, so tell us how um, it began, because um just tell us how it began. Um, well, it began with me just smoking weed. Mm-hmm. Well, back then we called it reefer <laughs> or herb. We could go right to my mom's sister. Yeah, reefer. we called it reefer or herb. But these days, y'all call it weed. Just smoking that with my friends and everything. And then one day I met your dad. Mm-hmm. And because he was, seemed like from, because he, even though he lived in the neighborhood we lived in, he didn't hang in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So he was cool to me because of where he came from, the southeast side. You know, I was down in Southwest. So down over there, it seemed like, oh, that's the where the cool guys were. And he smoked weed and I don't I don't remember if he sold it or not, but I know we always had it. Mm-hmm. And you know, through that, one thing led to another. You know, it took a while before I got addicted to um, crack cocaine, but it went from weed to PCP, and that was Angel Dust and Lovely. And I just remember um, a time when I was smoking um, PCP, and I um, lunched out. Mm-hmm. And lunched out mean that you just actually went out of your mind mm-hmm. with the um, drug. And that during that time, that's when I attacked my oldest daughter, mm-hmm. Nikita. I think she was like five. And I bit her on her shoulder and my mom and them had to take me off of her. And during that process, they end up 
admitted me into um, Washington Hospital Center psych ward. Mm -hmm. And I was there for about a month or two months where I couldn't function at all. My memory was gone. I couldn't even write my name. So, you know, my parents, and they stuck by me even through that. They mm -hmm. would come visit me and everything. And I, it was like a zombie thing. So that's why I, you know, I'm so against drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, so my main thing is, it was hard. But God brought me through that mm -hmm. part. Yeah. And then I end up coming back out. Mm-hmm. And still with your dad. And then we moved to crack cocaine. And that's when the journey started. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a journey just with the hospital. But the the long haul started with the crack cocaine. Right. And the crack cocaine just took us to the point where we would do it together. But it had gotten to the point where we were stealing from family. We were stealing from my mom, my dad. We were stealing from his parents. And back then, because I was still young, and that was before I even had you, Kile, mm -hmm. um, that's when you could get a welfare check. And because I was staying at home with my parents, the welfare check was to actually help in the household. But I would make sure I get the check before my parents get home. Mm -hmm. And that led to me spending the whole checkup with your dad, not caring about if the child had pampers, food, or anything, you know. And so the crack cocaine just got us to the point where we were still in, couldn't be trusted, got put out houses, you know. I got put out. Your dad got put out, you know, and... It got to the point where even me and him, it, it got to the point where it got abusive mm -hmm. because I had an apartment. I had gotten an apartment with Section 8 and your dad was in, had ended up staying with me. And during that process, that's when the trust issues came, when the house had ended up becoming um, a place where we would let people come to do their drugs or to sell their drugs out of my house so I could get high mm -hmm. or he could get high. And it had gotten to the point where your dad used to get to the point where he will bring the people that I end up knowing at first, but then they end up being more of his friends because right. he was the more um, aggressive one. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where abuse started happening. You know, mm -hmm. and eventually it got to the point where my um, my dad and my mom, they had separated. They were separated for 10 years and they got back together because of my drug addiction. And they stayed together until my dad passed away in 2008. So I look at that, even though it might have been a bad journey. Right. God worked it out where my father got back with my mom because my mom couldn't handle it by herself. Right. But your dad, it just got to the abuse and stuff. And that tore me down even more. Mm -hmm. That didn't help my situation because I look at it. This is somebody that I met when I was, what, 16 going on 17, had, was a virgin when I met him. So, you know, for someone to treat me that way and, you know, it just hurt me. And then me and him, we broke up for a while. And we both had our own journeys with doing our drugs still. And then we got back together. And then I got pregnant with you. But then we didn't stay together that much longer because of his respect has gotten, he had gotten to the point where he just didn't even respect me anymore, where mm -hmm. I was like a doormat, like, hey. And after that, we went on our separate ways where I end up just out there doing drugs and he was out there doing drugs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it even got to the point where I had gotten to the point where I was selling my body. And that really hurt me because 
that's not who I was. Mm -hmm. But the drug addiction will take you to levels that you will never think that you will lure yourself to. And I just look at it how I would sleep with anybody to make a couple of dollars to, you know, get high. And I left you and um, Nikita with um, my mom. But then that's when my mom and my dad, they got back together and they went to court. And that's when they ended up taking full custody of you and Nikita. So, um, yeah. So uh, when uh, I think I've shared that with some people that, you know, we were raised by mama and granddaddy. Um, and like as a mom, like, how did you feel? I know you were, you know, mentally, you know, with the addiction and the drugs and stuff, like, how did you feel like having your children taken away custody wise, like as a mother? Well, it, it, it really shocked me because they came in with a paper and was like, my father just said, you have to sign this paper. And I was like, what is it? Because mm -hmm. I still stayed in the home. They let me stay in the home with you all. And he was like, it's custody papers for me and your, um, your mom, your mother to get custody of the girls. And I was like, y'all not taking my kids. Mm -hmm. And then once he sat down with me, him and my mother, and explained to me that they was doing it for y'all protection. Mm -hmm. He was like, we're doing this. We're not saying that we're taking your kids. We're doing it because they was like, because you're out here on the drugs and you're gone for weeks and months at a time, mm -hmm. they didn't want me to ever take you all with me and didn't have the legal bounds to say, no, you cannot take these kids out this household. So I understood that once he told me that because I loved y'all to the point where I never took y'all around no drugs. Mm -hmm. Y'all never went into a crack house. Y'all never seen me get high. Y'all might seen the after effect of me coming in the house, but I never let anyone know where I live. I never let anyone know that I even had children because my main thing is that was something I put myself into, but I promised that I did not want to jeopardize my children's lives for anything, you know, so no one even knew. Right of you all you know i think um i think that's important like um, my mom has told us you know her journey before um so to share it publicly um kind of hits different a little bit but um i just i this is why i say you're like very strong to me because i feel like um a mo your mother a mother's love was still in the midst of all of this that you was going through like to say that you know you were protecting us from this um this stuff um is great and i also you know am thankful i always say i'm thankful for my grandparents because um you know so many kids end up in foster care or um in the system and i feel like me and my sister were blessed to have two yes. grandparents that stepped up and said we're going to take complete custody of the children and um you know it was a different upbringing um but it was the best for us um and also even after my mom got delivered i remember um her telling me you know don't tell anybody you used to tell us when we went over grandma house you yes. know don't tell anybody that you are your father's daughter right um because she didn't want us to get mixed up in that stuff and because my dad was still out there even after she's gotten delivered um you know he there were still people out there looking for him and and you know wanting to get back at him for the things that he's done in the streets and and things like that so i always remember my mom telling us that every time we would go over to my grandmother's house in uh southeast to like you know don't mention it don't if anybody approaches you don't you know don't interact um so um yeah i just always thank you for you know always having a mother's love regardless um so um when you started to i guess um go to the uh save the seed which was a church rehabilitation center um uh how was it you know i was younger Keita was a little older but i you know we remember like the summers being down there we remember yeah. coming down there but then going back home with mama and granddaddy 
Um, but I always used to get excited about, you know, coming to visit and yeah. staying for the weekends and meeting the other kids. Um, I think that this this um re this church rehab center was amazing for us because it helped us feel normal around other kids. Yes. Um, because there was other kids there whose That's parents normal. were going through the same thing and right. some of them actually lived there. Um, and me and my sister would come down for the weekends or the summer um, to spend time with my mom. But we didn't feel like we had to hide anything. We didn't feel like we couldn't talk about stuff because everybody, all the kids there were going through the same thing. So I'm always thankful for that, of course, and them being able to help my mom. But when you were there um, fighting for your own life, but also fighting to get back to your children, how did you handle that emotionally? Like being there, literally fighting for your life, but also fighting for us at the same time. It was hard when I first went because I thank God for my sister. Because at the time, even though we believe in God mm -hmm. and we was taught about God, we weren't a church going family, but my sister was. She was the first one as far as the siblings to get saved. And because of the church that she was attending, the um, she talked to the minister there and the church that she was attending was sponsoring a program called Save the Sea Ministry. Mm -hmm. And she talked to the minister about me getting in. And he was the one that helped me get in. And the part about it is, I thank God, you know, how you, you know how when you hear people say, you know, someone was praying for you? Mm -hmm. Because I think about the times when I was out there, it seemed like, you know how people pass out tracks? They will come through that crowd of all of us being out there on that drug strip, and they will come and give me the track. Mm -hmm. And for if you don't know what track is... It was like old church term of like yes. a witnessing tool. A witnessing tool. tool. Right. And I remember one time this guy stopped his car and asked me to get in. And I'm thinking, oh, mm -hmm. I'll get ready to make some money. I get in the car and he started preaching to me and said God told him to pray for me. At the time, I didn't understand it. But then when I went down, saved the seed and putting it all together through the Bible studies that we were sitting in and... Um, the testimonies that people were giving and all that, I look at it that, okay, God, you have something that you, you say, you spared my life. Mm -hmm. You saved me. You chose me to save at that moment, you know? And I remember when I went down there, I, I, like I said, I drank, I smoked cigarettes. I, um, solicit my you know sold my body i did drugs and everything and i remember when i went down say the seed and reverend freeman they we lived in like this it was a house and it was pitch dark out there and i was always afraid i just had fear mm -hmm. and reverend freeman was like we're going to get this fear off of you and he sent me outside to i kept saying oh i can't be down here because i needed a cigarette he told somebody to go get a whole pack of cigarettes. He brought it back, gave me the pack of cigarettes, told me to go outside with the pack of cigarettes and smoke all the cigarettes I want. He said, you want something to drink? You know, and I was like, no. I was like, what kind of place is this? <laughs> so he told me to go outside and he was like, run around in this dark. And I was like, I'm not going out there. But I ended up going and what he was doing was getting that fear off of me. Because mm -hmm. he was like, the devil had you so bound that you was out there selling your body, jumping in stranger cars, and you had no fear. And now you're down here where God wants to set you free. And now you're fearful. He said, I ain't nothing but Satan. Yeah. But, you know, that day I would not smoke a cigarette. And that day I got delivered off of smoking cigarettes, drinking, smoking, everything at that one time. I went through that program for one whole year, and that was in 1990. I went for one whole year, and I left. Mm -hmm. I told them I was ready to go, and he kept telling me I wasn't ready. And I was like, I'm ready, I'm ready. And it was this one guy, I'm, I'm going to leave his name out of it, mm -hmm. 
he was an okay guy. I thought he was a, a, a nice guy and everything. And he came down there and he had on this cap that said Jesus. And I was like, oh, I like that cap. He went back and bought me one of the caps and came back and gave me the cap. That was the door opener. Mm. And that person was the one that I ended up leaving the ministry for. And it was the worst mistake I made in my life. You know, I don't even know if this person is still alive, but people from say to see will know who I was talking about. And it just opened up a lot of doors where I backslid mm -hmm. and I end up back there, back out on drugs again, like in 91, I end up back out on drugs and that's when I got put out. My parents, my, my, my mom family was like, this is it. Cause it got worse. And that's when the scripture says about how, um, your house is clean, mm -hmm. but then it comes back with seven more spirits. That's what it means. Because even though you might surrender and you might think, oh, my life is fine. When you go back to that life, it's seven things. It's stuff even worse that's going to come upon mm -hmm. you. So I, I always advise people, you know, that's why I always talk about you know, don't do this, don't do that. Or, you know, when y'all be like, mommy, always this, 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 this. Because yeah. I understand what it what it does to you. It makes it worse. Yeah. It makes it worse. No, I understand it now. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, um, I will always be like, well, why we can't do this? Why we can't go right. to this person's house? And I shared that in, in multiple episodes. But also, I understand, Um, I used to always tell my mom, because my mom would always tell me, don't do this, don't do that. Because I know, and not, you know, being a teenager or being a young adult, I will always say, you know, let me make my own journey. You know, let me write my own story. If I have to go through it to learn a lesson, I have to go through it. And there were like tough, tough lessons that I had to go through um, that I probably should have just listened in the first place that I wouldn't have gone through those um, mistakes and, and things. But also, I want to touch on when you said, you know, you're here today and, and God saved you through all of that. Um, I think that's important. You know, like I tell people, we listen to the songs like we listen to that song that you thought I was you thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life like you thought I was you thought I was worth living. So I always think like um, and I have I if you, a lot of people say I'm like you. So, cause I have like a lot of fear guys. Like I'm always fearful of things. And my mom just sharing her fear, just like confirmed that um, I'm always like afraid of everything. And I think that I've gotten to a place and my mom has gotten to a place cause we both were afraid to do this episode cause we didn't know like what would come of it. But I think we've gotten to a place where we're like, we need to walk in God's purpose. And we need to understand that God didn't keep up. He hasn't kept us here for no reason. Right. And that's what I shared with my husband. I was like, honey, you know what God showed me through all the men. And that's another thing that I didn't share. And I don't know if this is the time, but it was before I met my husband, when I was at Say to See, when you know, Scott came into my life mm -hmm. and Reverend Freeman had shared, like, you have to tell this man how many men you done slept with and stuff. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid because I was like, what man wants someone that been out here just sleeping around, you know? Right. And we did this um, radio interview and Reverend Freeman had me to be on the radio program to do my um to um do the interview. And that day when I had to share, I was like, this man is never gonna want me. And when he listened to it, he said, I had a past too. And he never ever called me a whore. He's never called me nothing but honey. He's treated me so good over these 27 years. And I thank God because I knew that was God. I knew that was a man that God sent when he can know that I slept with them many men. 
and still loved me. But here I had two guys, I mean, two children by a man, and he treated me like I was a whore. I think it's like, um, you know, you sharing that, and this is like the importance that I put on, you know, every Father's Day, you know, when I got married, I always um, give honor and respect and, um, you know, celebrate my stepfather because I feel like it's not easy. And um, like my mom shared, he came into our lives and he knew her past. He knew her journey. He knew the fight and the obstacles that she had been through, but he never once judged her. He never once um, treated us um, wrong or unkind. He he just loved us like a father supposed to love children. So, um, you know, me and my sister talked about this um, in the Daddy's Girl episode. You know, um, we're just thankful for him because it could have ended up any any kind of way. Um, my mom could have ended up with anybody, um, even our own dad not being a great person in your life, like you yes. shared, not loving you and not um, understanding what the father role was. And so I always honor my stepfather for the, the for one, the woman that I am today, my mom and my stepfather, um, the woman I am today, because if statistics would tell it, you know, me and my sister could have been anywhere All or right. doing anything yes. um, with two parents um, that were addicts or, you know, had addictions. But, you know, we were both great because of you changing your life around and him being an amazing guy that came in your life. And also not only that, the husband that I chose, like I always say, um, you know, my husband accepted everything from the beginning. Yes. And there were times um, that I told my husband, my family's crazy. My family has this crazy history. You're not going to understand it. Like, I don't want to share these things with you. And there were, there were so many people I dated that I never shared these stories with. Yeah. And I remember being in the parking lot with John um, at From the Heart. Uh, we were going to a Bible study together. And, you know, I just broke down crying and, um, I just told him pretty much like, I don't think you want to, I don't think you want to be with me. And my mom sharing this now brings that up because um, I pretty much told John like straight up, I don't think you want to be with me. Like I have way too many issues. I have way too many things to heal from. Mm -hmm. um, and John just literally saying, let's pray. Yeah. And I'm like, what you mean? <laughs> what you mean? Because, um, you know, I wasn't expecting that response from him from dating other guys. So I always say my, I think my stepfather gave me like the um, imprint, yeah. I guess, or the the plan of what a husband should look like or yes. what a guy should look like. And that, and that that guy should accept all your flaws and, yes. and don't judge you for them. Um, because I knew my mom's story partly, um, but then hearing the full story of how he accepted her through all of this just amazes me. And it amazes me that my husband, you know, took on all of this, you know, with him growing up totally different from me. Yeah. Him growing up in a two-parent household, him growing up with two married parents and just a whole different lifestyle. And him accepting, you know, all of this hurt and all of this pain, like the times when I would break down crying, the times when, you know, I would get emotional and want to, you know, like just feeling down on myself, feeling down on everything that we was going through. So um, I'm thankful for, you know, Scott coming into your life and I'm, I'm thankful for, you know, your journey leading y'all together. But um. When y'all, when you first started dating, Scott, did you ever feel like you were, did you ever feel like, you know, judged or, you know, not good enough? No, I didn't. And see, the thing is, now the one thing I can, the only thing I can say about y'all dad was when we first dated, it was different because we were young. Mm -hmm. But when it got into us getting into the drug life, yeah, I, it it was no encouragement. Yeah. It wasn't neither one of us could say, let's do this. Let's stop this. Let's stop this. We both was just in it. But then to come out of that 
and Scott was even on drugs at one time. So that's what made the difference mm -hmm. because I met him. I didn't meet him through Say the Seed as a drug addict. Right. I met him as his him and his brothers coming down there because they were gospel singers. And I remember um, Sister Didi, she was the one that when we went to this church and Scott and his brothers and them was performing, she called me up to the front and said that I was Scott's future wife. I didn't know, but I guess God showed her. Mm -hmm. But she knew that we were talking and dating. They let us go out on like the Burger King because I was still at Save the Seed. Yeah. So they would let me go on a date with him to Burger King out for an hour or so. But she was the one that said that this is going to be his future wife. And we got married. I mean, it wasn't like he did it because that's what she said. Right. It was a while later. But no, I never felt uncomfortable because I look at it that I met him even though he had a past too and was on drugs, his attitude was different. Yeah. He was encouraging me. He wasn't encouraging me to still get high. Right. He was encouraging me to be the better person that he know I could be, become, you know. So And I, I think that's important because um and I'm gonna go into um the the final question for this episode, but I think that's an important important point because um I, my mom always beats herself up about you know her lifestyle and her journey and my sister and I always say you know you know forgive yourself because we forgave you you know we for, yeah. we forgiven you because um to me um just speaking of, from me personally I feel like you're amazing I feel like you're strong um because like she mentioned my dad was on drugs um, what she didn't mention is my dad went through the same program. Yes. Years later, after I was married and everything, he went through this same program, but it has to be a choice, right? It has to be your choice to say, I am tired of this life. Yeah. And I'm tired of living this life. I yeah. want the life that God says I can have. And that's the part that people don't understand. It has to be a renewed mind. Yeah. Your mind has to be renewed and you have to be around encouragers, people that's going to encourage you to let you know, to show you what you are, to show mm -hmm. you what's down deep in you that the devil hides, but God wants to reveal. Yeah. And I think that's that choice. Well, you just said too many things right there, but that the choice thing is, is huge for me because like, this has been a long, a long journey. Um, and I look at my, I look at how my mom changed and fought for, you know, her children. And I look at how he went through the same program, but the same results didn't come because he didn't, he didn't want to choose to be a better person for one. He didn't want to choose to be a better father and he didn't want to choose his children. Like he, for yeah. me, to me, you know, as a child, like for me, I feel like in your eyes, we were worth it. You were worth it. And. That was a choice that I made when I chose that life, but that's not the life that I even chose for myself because right. my parents didn't raise me that way. But also I knew that if God forgave me, then I had to say, okay, Lord, give me the opportunity to be this great mom so my kids can forgive me because it wasn't an easy journey with Nikita. Mm -hmm. I had to, I had to, gain her trust and that's the part i think that's what your dad he don't feel that he has enough patience to want to he think y'all owe him but it's not it's the other way around it's a, exactly it's the other way around and we uh, we should be asking for y'all forgiveness and that's not and that a lot of times a, that's what parents don't do right and i was about to say that takes a that takes huge putting your pride aside and, and putting those things aside and understanding like, you know, your children were affected, your children were emotionally, you know, damaged. Um, and I don't think he gets that. And, you know, this ain't his episode, but right. Because that's um, I always just say that, you know, I'm thankful for you because 
I feel like you you fought that fall and and you continue to fight that that fight because you know throughout our lives you could have you know went back or changed or whatever but you continue to you know one introduce us to God and take us to church consistently like every day saying no I'm joking but um you know teach us the found build for us a strong foundation of faith yes and understanding that and I feel like that's why we can we can you know trust God today and have faith today and of course we we we're not perfect at all you know we have our own issues as well but um when we're going through those issues we have God to lean back on and I think that a lot of people don't have that or they don't understand you know that aspect of it so I'm thankful for that um but you mentioned like you know Nikita being um uh you know it being difficult so um like I say you you're one you're one of the strongest people I know um because we hear so many stories of addicts we hear so many horror stories and the sad stories of you know families being broken apart so I'm just glad that our story changed for the better that you were able to get your life together for us um you made sure you provided a safe home for us to come to and of course there were barriers like you said that needed to be broken and emotional damage done that needed to be mended that's probably still being mended internally yes. because it it doesn't stop like it's a and I think a lot of families don't understand that it's a continuous healing yes. process it like is. it's not just oh I got over this and I'm good now like you still go through those crying spurts you still go through those downtimes or you still go through those thought processes um and so I think us as a family and that's why I always tell people I think we're as close as we are because when people say y'all are just so close I think we're as close as we are because of the battles that we fought together the things that we've been through behind the scenes that nobody knows about right um and some things we're willing to share like today and some things we're not going to share but we've been through so much throughout the years we had no choice but to be close right and my thing is it's just um I think that it's just as far as, um, like I said, as far as um, knowing that you know your truth. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the battles. I'm still going through some battles of myself because now I'm learning to know who I am. Mm -hmm. Because like I came from being off of drugs, being a wife, and then bringing two children that that weren't my husband's because he didn't have any kids when we got married. And then I had two more, but then these two, the two youngest ones didn't have to go through anything that you or your sister had to go through. So it was like a balance for me. And I didn't know because like you said, how did I feel becoming a teen mom? Mm -hmm. After that teen mom, I went from a teen mom to all that. Right. So over those years, you were newly married. Um, you had, um, you know, gotten us back from yes. my mom and granddaddy. Um, I think Keita was what, 14. And I well, was like, she, well, when we got married, y'all were 14 because and, y'all stayed with right. my parents up until we got married. Because actually that was another thing. Your grandfather told me I would never get y'all back. Mm-hmm. And I remember that day when I was at Say the Seed and I ran to Sister Didi and I was crying. I was like, my father said, I would never get my kids back. And she said, your father's not God. She said, you do what God tell you to do. Mm-hmm. And then that's when he called me and Scott, because we would come up there to see y'all on the weekends and take y'all out with us or whatever and everything. But then my dad one day was like, when are you going to take these kids? When are you going to get a place and get these kids? So once we got married, the kid was 14 and you were six. And that's when you all came to stay with us. So it was a it was a transition, and then we had we had Jada. We right. hadn't had Alicia yet. So you know it was like a newborn baby, a fourteen year old and a six year old being newly married, yes. and still balancing or making sure you hold held yourself accountable from all the past all the that past. I had hurt right. y'all from. You know, 
And I think that's important because I feel like a lot of people, you know, they talk about postpartum depression. Right. And they talk about all those things, but these are real life issues. Like when I started this episode, um, you know, um, it's different talking about it publicly because it's not, this isn't a play. Like I said before, this isn't a play. This isn't a movie. Um, this isn't a storybook. This is your life. And my life that y'all never really heard about. Right. I've never discussed this with Nikita or Kile or even with Jade and Alicia. I always say, well, y'all know my past life. That's all I and, say. And bits and pieces. And as bits we, and as pieces. we got older, yes. you share bits and pieces. But um, Because I never wanted to embarrass you all in front of y'all friends. And I think it was hard for me. I remember the night I asked you. Yeah. Um, and my mom was like, well, I'll let you know. Um, and the reason why... Um, because I told her, you know, I'm starting this new journey of being transparent with my life. And I didn't know what to share and what not to share. Um, because I feel like all of our stories are connected. Right. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want to hurt you and, and you didn't want to embarrass us. But then that's when Sarah Jakes Roberts, a message came on yeah. and she was like, use, God wants you to use that past pain and trauma for purpose. Yes. And, you know, I said that to my, my mom and my sisters because we've been through so much together that um, it's time to share, you know, p part of our journey. Yes. Not Some things are not for everybody. Right. And you got to pray and ask God, what do you want me to share and what don't, what don't you want me to share? So this is fully intentional and, and us walking into purpose because, and it's uncomfortable. Yes. And God sometimes pushes you out of your comfort zone is very uncomfortable because we don't know what's coming after this. Right. We don't know the comments coming after this, you know, and it's hard, but I'm just really thankful for um, you opening up and us being able to have this conversation and, and being transparent and um, just praying for anybody that has been through this, that is going through this. Um, and that's just, you know, that's that's the journey that we're going on. Um, Cause I always feel like, you know, now I feel like you have, well, you've been, you've had like amazing people around you yes. since you've gotten delivered and amazing people around us that helped, you know, grow us, um, you know, raise us with my mom. But I look at the mom friends that I have and I always think of you in my head, like, you know, like what if mom's podcast existed back then? Yes, it you know, would have like been a blessing, right? As far as and district motherhood and and those type of resources that yes. brought moms together and and they had like this outlet for them to be and and to vent and to be truthful about what they were going through at the time would it have made a difference? You know, I think it would because even like I said, the place save the seed. That's what gave me the the strength to say, I can be set free. Mm -hmm. Just hearing other women or other men come through with their testimonies. And I wasn't married when I went in there, but it was some married people that were there. Yeah. You know, it was people that were, that were there, that the wives, the husband was coming to support the wife or the, um, the wife was coming to support the husband, you know? So my main thing is, was just to see that family unit, like you said, and mm -hmm. I had great in-laws. God blessed me with in-laws that encouraged me through it all. And I, I thank and, God for that. And to touch on that, I'm thankful for those families that she spoke about because, you know, they made it. We all talk about this virtual learning thing as if it's something right devastating. But those families, and we talk about creating normalcy, those families, to me, created normalcy. I remember going in their trailers or yes. their houses, and they, you know, we had s'mores nights and yes. movie nights, and um, we did plays. Like, they made sure that the children who came down there felt like this was home, even though it was a rough situation. And, and like, her, she's saying, my stepdad's family, they never once treated me and my sister differently. Nope. It was uncle such and such, yes. aunt such and such, grandma. and grandma. And they accepted us from day one. Day one. And yes. they just loved on us. So I, I truly feel like our story could have been worse from the beginning. But it all worked out for God's good. And I thank God for Save the Seed because we're still connected with so many people mm -hmm. from Save the Seed. Save the Seed. Yeah. 
And that was truly a family. I mean, we I, I think about the people now. It's not now near one that, that I know that I was connected to then that I can't call now. Mm-hmm. And that's when you know that that is God ordained. Yeah. So um, this is part one. <laughs> We're going to get ourselves together for part two. But um, I just really want to thank you um, for stepping out on faith and stepping out of your comfort zone and allowing God to use you and tell your testimony. Um, I know that um, your journey and your experience through that dark tunnel is going to be the light for somebody else. I know that somebody's going to be blessed by this. And I understand that our purpose is bigger than what we can envision right now. And we're just going to continue to stay stay prayed up and, and trust God for his vision and his guidance through all of this. Because this is not just a podcast episode. No. This is not just a um, listen to my story no. type thing. This is, um, we want to... We want somebody to be impacted yes. and blessed. I only did it because I really believe in my heart. God wanted me to do it because I, like you said, I pushed from doing it for so long, but I really believe this is the time because it's about people being set free. Yeah. Chains what, being not, broken. Not only just drugs, whatever. Yeah. I just want to encourage someone to let them know God is God and he will be able to set he will set you free if you just surrender. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. Um cuz a lot of people think, you know, this is the end of the story. It's not. Or they hear like I said mm. statistics will say like you said granddad said like you yes. never going to get your kids back right. or um statistics will say, you know, your children wouldn't have never made it or they would have been uh following your footsteps. Right. And I feel like God's plan is is so much bigger. And that's why, you know, nobody can ever tell me to doubt God, you know, because yeah. the things that we've seen, the things that we've experienced, the things that we've been through, we know that God is real. And we know yes. that God is a savior and he's on, he, he has us covered throughout yes. it all. Because I've, I've, I've imagined so many different versions of this story, like, and it may, it brings me to tears because it, it always makes me think, you know, what if this would have happened? But, and that's what makes me so thankful and and blessed to, to just be here and to have all of my family, yes. you know, and I, I go through it with, you know, um, I've made peace, but I still go through with it with my father, but. Um, and we just keep him in prayer. And we just keep him, yeah. But um, I'm also just, you know, in awe of, what God can do. So um just thankful and blessed. And until the next episode, we um pray for you guys, pray for your families, um, whatever your struggle may be, whatever your journey may be. Um we just pray for you guys. We love you guys and we thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sincerely Kile.